entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, which is a production of Business Builders Media. You can get all our shows and podcasts from many more great podcasters at businessbuildersmedia.com, where we give entrepreneurs and business leaders the tools they need to have their voices heard. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. My guest today, and I want to say my very special guest, I'm honored to have him, is Chris Wilson. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a fascinating discussion. I first heard of Chris Wilson through my friend Ari Weinswig, who is the co-founder of Zingerman's Deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, Ari writes a wonderful newsletter, and a few weeks ago, his new his newsletter uh, heading of it was "Leading Every Day with Dignity." Leading Every Day with Dignity. And one of the stories he shared in that newsletter was Chris Wilson's story. So I heard that, or I read that, and I bought Chris's book. The title of his book is The Master Plan, My Journey from Life in Prison to a Life of Purpose. So, Chris, again, welcome. Uh, folks, I am going to read uh, the introduction for Chris, this is probably longer than my normal introduction, <laughs> but I want everybody to listen attentively because it's going to be the segue to an important discussion. So, Chris Wilson, born and raised in Washington, D.C., Chris grew up under extremely difficult circumstances. Poverty, drug addiction, and gun violence was the everyday norm in his community. At age 17, he was charged with the crime, convicted, sentenced to natural life in prison. It was during times of isolation that he decided to not only turn his life around, but to make a difference in the lives of people who currently live in poverty-stricken communities similar to his childhood surroundings. Then the following sentence is a quote from Chris, and it says, Many years ago, I committed my life to self-improvement, in helping others, I sat in a dark cell and wrote up what I now call my master plan, a plan to build a business empire and to help others. So we could talk for hours, Chris, so I thought the, the best way to start this is tell me what you're doing now. I know that uh, painting and, and being an artist is part of that. So tell me what yeah. you're engaged in right now. Yes, yes. So, so thanks again, Marty, for having me on. And what I'm currently working on now is I have been pursuing a career as a fine artist for the past three and a half years. And so what that means is I've been I've been experimenting with different uh, styles of painting uh, using graphite, uh, uh, acrylic on canvas, doing sculptures, making furniture, all things art related. And so I've developed a passion 
for doing this. And I've been doing some shows and I have been selling my work literally all around the world. And I am in the process of starting my own uh, gallery and uh, opening up a really big uh, studio session where I will have about seven to eight other artists that I would like mentor and work alongside of. Hmm. Oh, where are you calling us from today? Baltimore, New York City, or some foreign country? Who knows? Where are you going to be? Where are you talking to us today? From today, Chris. So today I'm actually in uh, Tribeca, New York. I just got in about uh, three hours ago, uh, came in from Baltimore. So I split my time between uh, New York and Baltimore. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, anybody listening to the introduction uh, knows that that's um, – that's kind of an interesting journey to get to fine arts uh, education and also to do the work that you're doing now. Yes. So the title of your book, The Master Plan, My Journey from Life in Prison to a Life of Purpose. Tell me about the master plan. Kind of when did it start? Uh, what is it? Maybe mention some things on your master plan. Maybe sure. some share some successes. So talk to me about that, Chris. Absolutely. So the master plan was something that I developed when I was 19 years old. I was in prison at this point for about two years. And, you know, I had a I had a real uh, I had a real moment with myself where I just started thinking about how I had essentially wasted my life, uh, you know, at this point. And I knew that I was really intelligent, really book smart. I can read like a 300 page book and memorize like, you know, 70% of it. You know, I was on the chess team and I just was a nice person. And I just didn't really understand how I ended up in prison for like the rest of my life. And so it was at that moment that I decided I wanted to prove to myself and to other people that my life was redeemable. And so I wrote up, it was kind of like a bucket list. But um, I called it my master plan, and it was how I was going to turn my life around. And the things that were on the, the, the master plan was, you know, mostly education. I wanted to get a high school diploma. I wanted to earn a college degree. I wanted to teach myself how to speak Spanish. Uh, and most importantly, though, I wanted to uh, be free again. And so I wanted to be free to go back into tough communities and create opportunities for people through business and through writing books and, and telling my story and inspiring people. Wow, uh, that's quite the master plan. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so those are those are big goals. One uh, or two books or items that you read that help provide some of that inspiration. Can you mention one or two of them? Sure. So, uh, one of the books, uh, just thinking off the top, was uh, "Made to Stick" by Dan and Chief uh, Chief uh, Ledger. I think I might be messing their names up, but the Heath. book was H E A T H Heath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan, oh, you got it. That book. So it really helped me with business pitch competitions and writing. It was just like a really, really good book. Uh, another book, just thinking off the top, is uh, How to Talk 92 Ways or Something, How to Talk to Anyone by Lil Loudis. And she mm-hmm. writes a lot of self-help books. And so it really helped me um, develop like relationship building skills when I was mm-hmm. away. Those are like two that just came to mind. But I've read literally hundreds of books when I was away. Hmm. Um, so let me ask you this. You're in prison and you want to read. You want to better yourself. Yes. How easy or difficult was it to accomplish that while you're in prison? Were there obstacles? Were there challenges? Yeah. Um, obviously, your book talks about your life in prison, but maybe 
maybe that's the question I should ask. Is, uh, so was that was that challenging to start on that journey? I would I would say that it was because there there were yes was there a library uh, yes and, and and there were books in this library but like the type of books self help books uh, business books uh, wasn't uh, readily available and so like what I would had to do is uh, write to friends and family on the outside world and request them to order a book on Amazon and have it uh, mailed to me and so it would take me like literally like five or six weeks just to get a book to read. And so it was challenging. Mm. Yeah. Well, again, folks, uh, he goes into detail in these challenges and successes. It's, it's, it's not all bad news, uh, although it certainly sounds like it. It turns out good, thank God, yeah. for Chris yeah. and for everybody else. It turns out good. Um, but there are inherent challenges. Um, and so uh, I, I want to go back to something right in the forward of your book. And it um, – talks about someone meeting you uh, right in the forward and it says here that you showed up in the room you were you attended something first of all they said you were, looked really great you're impeccably dressed in a crisp white dress shirt and a and a and adorned with a royal purple tie right. uh, but when you started to talk here's something that you said that he wrote in the forward here's what chris said he hired here's what the uh, author said he highlighted the fact that half of Baltimore's black men are under some form of correctional control, in parentheses, that is, in prison, paroled, or on probation. Chris conveyed on a visceral level the heavy stigma that burdens those caught up in the criminal justice system. I guess that's why I asked the question, was it difficult for you to improve and in this case, you're talking about Baltimore and you're talking about black men. Yes. Go a little deeper on that whole statement, if, you, if you're okay with that, Chris. Sure. So, I mean, essentially what I was alluding to was like, you know, many years ago, decades ago, policies were put in place. Or, I mean, I can go back even further, like, you know, maybe 200 or so like years ago. I mean, like the country was uh, built, but like not... Uh, wasn't designed to accommodate uh, people of color. And so uh, moving forward, you know, uh, policies about redlining and, you know, education and availability, like the people of color, you know, once I got into prison, I realized like how challenging it was after I started doing my history, after I went through college. And so for a person in Baltimore City who um, is experiencing like these policies of redlining and over-policing in, in, in communities of color, like they, the people like that, like myself are, um, we have a, a very big challenge in, you know, gaining employment or having access to proper education. And that's something that, you know, that has been done deliberately. Hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, well, eventually you were released, but it took a long time. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of um, bridges, I'll use that phrase, you had to cross, and judges and caseworkers and parole officers, and you detail it in the book. Um, when you finally got out, you kind of quickly, if not immediately, you became an entrepreneur. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. Actually, after a couple of days, technically, but... And maybe seven months later, I became like officially like a business owner uh, slash entrepreneur. How hard was that to get accomplished? 
So it was very difficult, especially, you know, when I was released, I was, I was homeless. I was unemployed. I had $50. So I, you know, someone loaned me some money and I started uh, doing landscaping, cutting grass for like $30 uh, and waiting to try to get enrolled in the college to get a, another college degree. And so those were like the big challenges for me. But once I got into college, it was my business school professors that really like motivated me and educated me uh, and pushed me. Uh, to start my first company. So education, you've already mentioned it several times in this conversation, and you refer to it in the book, and you refer to it even when I see other things that you post, the importance of lifelong learning. Just how important has that been for you, and how important is it do you think it should be for everyone? Talk to me about lifelong learning. Yes, absolutely. So, like, it's, it is critical. And uh, an example is, like, you know, I started uh, my, my company's uh, about – Eight, seven or eight years ago, and I've been learning ever since. Uh, YouTube videos, reading books still every week, and the things that I've learned has allowed me to pivot in, in challenging times and continue my pursuit as an entrepreneur. And especially now, during in 2020, like during COVID, um, I actually had to shut down my contracting company, but I had uh, pivot, you know, my focus to more like fine art and and, you know, selling art and stuff. And so I was able to to, to remain successful uh, in my pursuit as, as being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you are now described on your LinkedIn page, which, by the way, people can find Chris Wilson on LinkedIn. And his website is chriswilson.biz, B-I-Z. Am I right, Chris? That is correct. ChrisWilson.biz. So you want to go there? Yes, you can find him on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, on his profile, it says this. Serial social entrepreneur, storyteller, artist, social justice advocate, and author. Um, wow. So you are described as a, a serial social entrepreneur. Yes. Tell me what that means to you and maybe give us an example of what you're doing as a social entrepreneur. Absolutely. So when I was young, I didn't know what the term social entrepreneurship meant, but my mom instilled in me certain principles about always helping people, cleaning up my community, uh, contributing to society, uh, and also entrepreneurship. And so uh, when I was in prison, when I wrote up my master plan, I said to myself, like, I want to I want to be pursue financial independence, want to start a company, but I don't want to make money unless I can also help people or improve my environment or my community. And so fast forward, once I'm in business school, I've, I've learned about the term social entrepreneurship. And it's like the triple bottom line of like helping people. And, you know, I started out by starting a furniture company and I wanted to hire people who uh, was dealt a bad hand in life, mostly like people coming home from prison uh, who had good work ethic, and then giving them job opportunities, repairing furniture, and just proving to the world and society that people who have made mistakes can turn their lives around. And so, I mean, even now to this day, like I won't everything that I do, um, I have to I have to contribute to either those bottom lines. It has to help someone. It has to improve my community. While I walk away, I won't do business if it's just about money. Hmm. So again, Chris Wilson is my guest. His book is The Master Plan. My journey from life in prison to a life of purpose. It is an extraordinarily well-written book. 
It is. <laughs> I put my eyes. Yeah. Well, it shows. I mean, there's, it's, I don't know, 350, 400 pages. It's bigger than my normal book, Chris, but I finished it. Honest, I did. <laughs> you know, um, it is, it is just, it's just fantastic. Um, and I, and I was so happy that I heard about you through Ari. So we're going to switch a little bit. Um, and I want your thoughts on this. So I think I know the answer, but I want you to go a little deeper. Um, do you feel our society has a conscious or unconscious bias when considering people who have served time in prison who are now looking for jobs or an education? Um, this is a business show. Yes. Do you go deeper on the thought of is there a conscious or unconscious bias of when recruiters are looking for people, or even educators maybe, uh, when looking for people who have experienced a prison experience. Talk to me about that. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's it's unconscious. And you know, I know a lot. I love. I know a lot of good people who want to do good in the world. And sometimes, like these questions or these scenarios uh, arise where they want to hire someone. And let's say you have like three people applying for a job, and then you have someone who doesn't have a a criminal background. Maybe you have two people who have a criminal background, and it's almost like automatic that those two individuals with a criminal background will be um, excluded from being considered, even to be interviewed for the job. And like I have friends, business owners who have done this. And so I, I, I think it's unbiased. Um, but it's really important, you know, I, I believe it's really important for me to really like highlight that, like we should judge people based on like, you know, like, the, you know, their resume and their work ethic and are they able to do a job? And as a society, right, we should be we should be more forgiving um, to give people opportunities to work. I mean, like like I said earlier in the interview, like America has put these these bias uh, policies and laws in place that particularly impact people of color. From reading your book, it's almost it's it's I was overwhelmed with how the difficulties. First of all, when you're released pr- from prison, I mean yeah. you had virtually nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. fifty yeah. bucks, something, and, yeah. and no place to go. I mean, how the hell are you going to su- succeed with that? And, um, and that's the thing. That's the purpose. It's like it, it is set up for you to fail and to go back to prison because it has become a business. It's become a business. I'm so glad you brought that out. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, it has become a business. Fascinating insight. And it has. It's become a business. And we got to break that cycle. Um, And I also think in terms of um, background checks and checking a box on an application, I think some of those laws or guidelines are being changed. Um, So you don't have to check that box, whatever that box is, that – it gives some people, you know, a better chance at at least being uh, looked at. So, okay, um, another. Uh, am I asking the right questions, Chris? Are, are we doing okay? Yeah, we're doing okay. We, we, we're, we're moving along. <laughs> okay, Go okay good. So, um, why do you think you not only survived but are, are now thriving? What well, what was the magic sauce? What was the inherent what was the god-given what was the luck uh why do you think you survived and then thrived so it's a combination of things so first i would say uh my mom when i was really young instilled in me certain principles that stick with me to this day right just like helping other people 
being a, a good person, being polite. Um, that was one thing. Uh, second is, you know, my faith in God and just believing that, you know, my life was redeemable and that I could be successful. And then three was, I, for some reason, uh, have allowed myself to be teachable and I reach out to people for help. And it's like things like even when I wanted to get my high school diploma in prison and I was struggling, I put my pride to the side and I reached out to someone and asked them to tutor me like with my math. And that's something that I do today where I reach out to people when I want to do something and I may not know how to do it. And so I think it would be like those combination of things. And it wasn't like something I was able to do on my own. It was a lot of people that supported me and continue to today. Yeah, you head up, uh, I guess I'll call it a partner, even when you're in the in the prison system that helped you yeah. along the way. You had attorneys that helped you along the way, but I loved your comment. You were teachable, you were coachable, yeah. and you asked for help. Just how important is that, Chris? Let, let's really drive home yeah. that point. So it's, so it's critical because, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, there, you have people, let's say you, you start a business and a lot of people like they struggle with like, you know, do I want to like really grow this business or am I like happy with just like having control of like this small mom and pops like operation? And one of the things I think that is like really important is you got to you, you won't live long enough to learn and recover from all the mistakes that you can make. And so it's wise to like have advisors to study people who have been there and done that and allow yourself to be critiqued and accept advice so that you can have a better opportunity. And if you look at innovation um, in history, you know, these new innovations are usually like someone who has built up, built up on top of like, you know, existing innovation, like making something better. And so it's just a, it's just a smart way um, to grow and build is to be teachable and learn and reach out for help. Mm. Where did you go to college? So I went, to, I went to college at, uh, I went to Anne Arundel Community College, which is in uh, state of Maryland. And then I went to the University of Baltimore, uh, which is in, based in Baltimore City in Maryland. How the hell did you get into college? <laughs> By, uh, through the, through the uh, grace of God. Like I, I made it <laughs> in college when I was in prison. I barely made it in, uh, but I fell in love. And I think my professors uh, through all, all of the colleges that I went to, they really saw potential in me. And they just pushed me. Even when I finished, completed my schoolwork, they gave me books to read. I went to business school. My professors were really, really tough on me. I mean, really tough. You know, it was a dress code. I couldn't say um or ah uh when I presented, and I could never look bad. <laughs> I mean, they, they really put me through the ringer, but it made me, it made me a good entrepreneur. Yes, apparently. So um, let's go back to the business thing here. So we've talked about it. But here's our opportunity to share with our business audience. So what would you say to business owners um, to have them, to ask them to look closer at these kinds of folks? What advice, what thoughts would you like to share with business owners? Sure. So, I mean, I think about it like I would think about it on a basic level. This is what I would say to them. So like as taxpaying citizens, right, we pay, we pay our taxes. And so that money that our tax money goes towards paying for uh, incarcerated individuals, right? And so like some people may say like, why should folks in prison get, have access to education when folks in the outside world um, have to pay for it and go into debt? And I understand that. But like the reality is a lot of people in society uh, start at different starting blocks, right? So you take people in black and brown communities who like went to like really bad schools, over police communities. So they didn't have the same starting point as someone else. And so 
they end up somehow uh, in prison. And as taxpaying citizens, we want a good return on our taxpaying dollars, right? And so I would want someone to get an education to, f- to fix any like social deficiency that led them to prison. And when they come out, they don't go back to prison and they don't hurt people and they don't reoffend. And so the business owners, I think, you know, providing opportunities for folks who can demonstrate their capabilities of doing the job, we should be more willing to give them an opportunity because it's good for society. And I think these people, when given an opportunity, I'm one of these people, they will work twice as hard as anyone else just to prove that they can do the right, they can do the job. Mm. So I'm coming back to the very beginning uh, and the work that you're doing in your your uh, painting and your artwork and your galleries and all that other kind of exciting stuff. So um, this should provide inspiration um, to everyone, I believe. Um, where was this listed on your master plan? This idea of being an artist was this on the master plan? So it was not on the master plan, but one of the things I did mention while writing the book and uh, throughout the book is that a master plan is a good master plan should be written and designed to evolve. And so you got to be you got to structure your life and plan in a way where when you see opportunity, you can capitalize on it. And so I got into art mostly through therapy and I was going through like tough times and stressing out trying to build my life back up. And I just started studying the business of art and I really like enjoy making it. And then I just started selling it and it just, you know, I fell in love with it and it became a passion. And for me, it's not even work. It's just, it's just a part of my life now. That's, that's super. Where can we find the, find the paintings that are for sale on your website? Where else should, can yeah. we find them? Yeah. So some paintings are on my website, chriswilson.biz.biz. But a lot of my work, uh, I put it on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Chris Wilson Baltimore. I also post on LinkedIn too, uh, believe it or not. So it's Chris Wilson on LinkedIn. And I just share like the work that I'm working on and what, the, what my, my work is about. And people usually reach out like every day, actually. Uh, and I sell my work that way. I would love for people to reach out to you to, first of all, buy the book, um, read about you, read about uh, your journey. It's inspirational. It's uh, across the board. It's just a great, great story. And yeah, chriswilson.biz. Find Chris Wilson on Instagram. Um, So let's wrap up this way. before I wrap up, I'm going to I'm going to ask Dan not to ask the question right now, but to chime in in a minute, Dan. So be awake. I'm going to call on you in a minute. So, Chris, what didn't we talk about? I mean, we could talk for hours, but um, what didn't we talk about that you want to make sure uh, that gets out in this interview? I think that's a good question. So I think uh, it's important, like when folks will research me or Google me, and they see like these lists of accomplishments and winning awards and a presidential award from Obama and all this stuff. I think the important thing that I would like to drive home is I only made it this far because people and not even family members, but like people in my life uh, throughout my journey saw potential in me and were willing to mentor me and push me to be a better version of myself. And so if I could say anything to people uh, out in the world is there's Chris's and Christine's and all of our communities. And I would challenge people to spend some time with them, sit down with them and and mentor and coach and push these young people, even if they're not young, but just push push these people to be a better version of themselves. And I promise you, like when you do this, 
they'll do it for someone else. Dan Kimbrough is our senior producer at Business Builders Media. He's a friend of mine. I asked him to join us today for this uh, conversation. Dan, anything to add? Any questions you'd like to ask Chris before we depart? Uh, not really. I think that you guys hit everything, you know, you nailed everything on the head and it was a great conversation. Um, I do want to point out, I love that Chris talked about the importance of, of education as a means of sort of leveling the playing field. A lot of people like to say that you don't need an education anymore and you can sort of get by without it, but it's really hard to do when you come from an underserved and over-policed neighborhood. Um, you have a lot of people from, you know, black and brown communities who are ending up incarcerated and missing out on a chance for education. And once they're locked up, that's the way to get out. And I also love that you brought up that people complain about, oh, well, why do you get a free education when I have to pay for mine just because you're incarcerated and our taxpayers dollars are paying for it? Well, we're over policing your neighborhoods. We're locking yeah. up more people from these communities um, and holding them longer. And so it's almost like this it's a balancing act because we, this community has all these police in it and the police are ignoring what's happening over here. So these folks get a chance to get an education and have that leg up and sort of go forward in life. And we've stunted you. And so I love that you bring up that, you know, it's, it's education. Yeah. It's it's what's going to level things out and make it easier for people to move forward. Um, and again, like the system is designed for people to get out and so that you did is utterly amazing i think it was the 1994 crime bill that yep. you know said we want to move the fact that only people only serving about 40 percent of their time and let's bump that up to 80 percent of their time so we've gone from literally rehabilitating people to holding them in as long as we can and the the, the perk to that for these companies because again it's a business like you said is that we got to build more prisons and now we get to fill these prisons with more people so that you got out is amazing and that's hats off to you. And I really hope people listen to this and read your book and see your artwork and, and really sort of inspired to realize that like we have to fix the system, but you can get out. Um, you know, if you educate yourself and you really put yourself to it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're absolutely right. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Well, uh, remarkable interview, uh, remarkable journey, Chris, I'm, um, pleased and honored that I have got to meet you in uh, this way and through your book. Folks, again, the book is The Master Plan, My Journey from Life in Prison to a Life of Purpose. You must buy this book. You want to share with your family. You want to share with educators. You want to share it with business people. This is a way you can make a difference, and I uh, encourage you to do that based on the inspiration from uh, Chris Wilson. So, Chris, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.